0: Um, junior high and high school, uh, you can go with my dad. We are going to talk about, um, some identity issues, uh, that the world is bringing at us right now. So if that's of interest to you, when we talk about things like, um, race, uh, sex, gender, all that stuff, um, orientation, those are the kinds of things we'll be addressing. So if that's important to you, then stay, if not go with him and he'll give you a bunch of donuts. We got got a couple here. That's good. Um, and and the reason that we got to talk about this is because probably right now at this cultural moment, um, these issues are are have never been more uh, pressing on uh, Western culture and now the church. So like a year ago. It was, you know, the, all the questions were about um, LGBTQIA+, right? Uh, people whose identification comes primarily through lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, um, queer questioning, intersex, asex, uh, asexual, and there's other various um, ways of identifying oneself through sex and gender. Um, and then now, especially in the wake of the, Floyd, uh, the Floyd-George protests, um, there 's been another like a resurgence kind of by black lives matter and and a, a re reckoning with race in the country, so that not only is identity now being thought of primarily in terms of sex and gender but also there 's a, a question of ethnicity nationality uh, race um, and, and there 's more that goes into it and what 's really crazy is that um, if we don 't understand Uh, why these things are happening, and we don't see what the Bible has to say about it, we might be confused about how to understand, deal, respond, and then even internalize our own identity. And I think one of the things that's been really difficult for Christians is most Christians come into, say, contact with uh, uh, intersectionality theory, right? Or critical race theory. And they're like, wow. A, what is this? And B, um, does the Bible address this at all? Is there any place in scripture that deals with the questions we're now asking? And what I want to say to you today is, yes, uh, we're going to encounter what I take to be the seminal text on scripture, and it might surprise you about identity that deals with race. With, uh, it doesn't deal with sex and gender, but it, it's, an, it's not a far jump and you'll, you'll see that as we do it. It might be surprising if you've been a person who's been in church a long time, you may have heard this story and you might be like, "This what? Really? Uh, but I suggest if we pay attention to the text and we're really careful with it, we're going to see that this is uh, the beginning of God's, God's word on who we are. And also, very importantly, God's word on who we're not. And so, if you have a Bible you can open, um, I've elected to, to edit the common English Bible translation of this text um, because I think it's the closest to the Greek. And so, let, let's read it together. This is the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho when he was passing through town. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among toll collectors, was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he couldn't because of the crowd, because he had little stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once, I must stay in your home today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy, to welcome Jesus. And all the people around who saw this interaction grumbled, saying, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've defrauded or cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this household, because he too is a son of Abraham. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. If you've grown up with this text or you've heard it before, I think the way it usually goes is this. There was a guy, and he was really short. And he wanted to see Jesus, and he couldn't. But he was a bad guy. And he climbed up a tree. And Jesus looked at this bad guy and says, I'm going to come meet with you. And at that moment, the bad guy says, I repent. I'm going to stop being a cheater and a thief and greedy. I'm going to turn it all around. And then Jesus says, you've now been saved. If that's the way you've heard this story, I want to suggest to you that that's not how it goes. And so let's look at the text closely and see it Again, maybe with fresh eyes. So let's first let uh, let's look at how in, uh, Luke introduces Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, a ruler among toll collectors, was rich. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Zacchaeus is the Greekification of a Hebrew name, indicating that Zacchaeus was Jewish. He was a Jew. Uh, and his Hebrew name was Zekai. And that may be significant or maybe not, but Zekai is the Hebrew for innocent. <laughs> Good. Um, and his name means uh, Mr. Innocent. Uh, nevertheless, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's living in the Greco-Roman Empire, he, so he takes on a, a Greek form of his name, but it is Hebrew, and he's, and he's called a toll collector, a ruler among toll collectors. You might have heard him referred to as a tax collector, which isn't untrue, but it's a little misleading. I got a picture here of how uh, construction deals are made in the United States of America. If you're involved in the construction business, you know that the way to get work is you find out that somebody wants you to work and then you offer them a bid, right? And so you say, I think I can put, so Dustin and John, you guys say, I think I can put solar panels or retrofit Tom's Place for solar panels for $35. <laughs> and I look at that and I'm like, that's way better than the $30,000 that was quoted to me earlier. And so I'm like, if they can do it for $35, bucks, I'm hiring Forstel. Done. Easy. Well, toll collecting in the ancient world was actually the opposite of that. See, here we're, we're capitalists, right? And so the idea of bidding is you get like the lowest price and you go for that. Well, what the Roman Empire did was they had like a regular system of taxation they took care of. But when it came to things like um, using toll roads, uh, customs, uh, duties for moving merchandise back and forth, they farmed that out to locals, and so in Jericho, where Zacchaeus lived, the local Roman consul would come out and he'd be like, who wants to you know, collect duties for me? And then a whole bunch of toll collectors would be like, oh, sign me up, I want to do that. That sounds great. And so then the consul would say, well, how much are you going to get me? The first guy says, I'll get you $50,000 this month. The second guy's like, $50,000? I can do better, I'll get you $75,000. The third guy says, I'm getting you $100,000 this month. Who is the Roman consul going to pick? The guy who promises to get him the most money. So, if you're a toll collector in the ancient world, and you're Jewish, you're going around to your Jewish friends, and what do you have to do to become rich? Well, in order to make your payment to the Romans, you have to start putting surcharges on top of things. In fact, uh, you would, for the most part, uh, toll collectors in Israel in the first century were basically like um, sort of an early version of organized crime. Because what would happen would be the toll collector would have like a group of enforcers who would go around and he would, he would determine the, the fees that were needed, right? And then he would push his enforcers out and they would make sure that people coughed up the money. You know, that's a nice merchant wagon you've got there. It would be a shame if anything happened to it, Right? And as a result, and then he would bring that money back. He gets rich. He has a whole bunch of people who are friends of his that he pays out. And then he coughs up a big sum to the Roman oppressors. So when Luke says Zacchaeus was a ruler, meaning kind of like a high up, respected amongst toll collectors and rich, Anyone who's listening says scum Anyone who listens thinks the Sopranos. They think this guy's a traitor, and not only that, he's a race traitor. Remember, this is a Jewish guy who's betraying his own people to help out the people that are ruining their lives. Notice that Luke's introduction to Zacchaeus hits all of the modern issues about identity, right? How do people identify themselves right now? Well, uh, as, a, as a professor, um, I've noticed that over the last 10 years, more and more, the first paragraph of an essay that I receive will begin something like this. As a white female who grew up in a church that did not allow women to preach, um, I have internalized a great deal of systematic patriarchal oppression. Fair enough. Or I'll read something like this. Um, Growing up as a white heterosexual male, um, I found that it was difficult for me to cross uh, race and gender lines to um, open up and to become close to uh, my black, indigenous, people of color friends and neighbors because um, I wasn't familiar with the systems of oppression that, ha- that were separating us. Right? That's a very common type of sentence that I'll get in the first paragraph of my essays. Why is that? Because in contemporary culture, identity, who we are, is primarily based on, we're taught to think in terms of our location, in culture And location in a, in, a, in a country like the United States is heavily dependent on things like race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, now uh, sex, gender, um, sexual orientation, uh, one's queerness or not queerness. Um, those are the things that tell our story, right? And so in order for us to think, in order for us to communicate, we acknowledge our story, our identity, based on these factors... And then that's how we operate in the way that we interact with others. I have a picture here of intersectionality, um, which is the, the latest iteration of this. Um, and you, you can see that what it, what it offers us is a way to identify ourselves based on immutable characteristics such as uh, gender, nationality. Disability is a, is a relatively newer one. Um the way that your body uh, can or cannot do certain things comes to be part of, say, who I am, right? That's who I am. Now, while um, intersectionality, critical race theory, um, feminism, queer theory, while all those things... are are like the newest iteration, they're they're like the latest, most contemporary way that people um, are coming up with ways to identify themselves, I want to suggest to you that it's no different than what Luke just did. Right? It's no different than when Luke says, Zacchaeus, rich ruler among toll collectors, four things identify him. He's identified by his race, you know, he's Jewish, He's identified by his collaboration, his national identity with Rome. He's identified by his socioeconomic status and his social standing. It is the same exact thing. What's Luke going to do with it? What's Jesus going to do with it? The first thing in your note sheets is the culture says, and I hope we've seen, and always has said, Your race, your gender, your job, your sexual desires, your possessions, your attributes, your beliefs form the essence of your identity. This is called identity essentialism and it is endemic to our culture right now and it always has been. It says this is who you are based on these attributes that you have. And it was the same in Jesus' day. They just took different attributes and made those things that they're interested in. So let's, uh, let's go back to the text. Let's uh, check this out. What's Zacchaeus doing? Uh, he's trying to see who Jesus was. Interesting, the word there for trying is actually seeking. He's seeking to find out who Jesus is. Um, Zacchaeus wants to know if Jesus has something for him that the culture doesn't. Um, but he, he, to see who Jesus was, but he couldn't because of the crowd. This is the Greek. Um, this is the, the syntax of the Greek. The Greek puts this first. He couldn't because of the tr- uh, of the crowd because he had little stature. People will sometimes translate he was short, but the Greek is ambiguous. It could mean um, he had low social standing. It, mean, it could mean he was a very young man. It could mean that he was short. It's, it's ambiguous. We don't know. Um, The Greek could, it it gets used in all of those ways across uh, Greek literature at the time. Um, But the translators, because Zacchaeus climbs the tree, assume that it's because he's short. That may be the case, but what Luke thinks is more important is that he couldn't see Jesus, why? Because of the crowd. The crowd I've been to Disneyland, I've seen the Toy Story Parade, I'm six foot, I have a very wide circumference, it's not hard for me to see. My children are short, it's difficult for them to see, but it's, it's crazy, I, I can't believe it, I can tell you the truth, as many times as we've seen the Toy Story Parade, my kids have always been able to get to the front row to see it. Why? Why? because people aren't jerks. People are like, "Oh, oh, this kid wants to see a parade. Well, maybe I shouldn't be in front of him." Right? They're like, "Well, come on, little guy, you know, oh, you're so cute. Why don't you get to see Woody? I'm an adult. It's not hard for me." And they, the kids get to go to the front. Same thing when you're at a concert, right? You know, you're you're right there and Keenan here. Keenan's like 12 feet tall. "Welcome back, buddy. Good to see you." When Keenan's when Kenan's standing up, he no one can see past him because he's a giant. He's like uh, Goliath. But Kenan's a nice guy. And so when he's at a, at a rock show or whatever it is that he listens to, he, and he sees the nice short person, he's like, you know what? You go at it. You look at this famous person and you enjoy this. Because he's not a jerk. The difference here is that this crowd of people knows who Zacchaeus is. And they know that he's a Nazi. (laughs) They do. They look at him and they're like, "He's he's literally Hitler." Okay, that—that is. They look at him and they're like, "This guy, he's a race traitor. He's an agent of the imperial oppressor. He is. He gets rich off of our stuff. All the other scumbags seem to respect him. He's literally Hitler." And so when Zacchaeus is like, hey guys, you think maybe I can see Jesus? They're like, yeah, no. They lock arms, right? And he's like trying to climb over their shoulders. And he's like, nope, 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 you move around. Later on in the text, what do they say when he he comes down and Jesus is like inviting inviting himself over? What do the people say? They're like, everyone who saw this, not just the Pharisees, not just the bad guys, but everyone around sees this and they're like, what? Hanging out with the sinner? Hanging out with Hitler? Come on, Jesus! You're better than that. Jesus, do you want to be sympathizing with Nazis? Got a picture of uh, Trumbo and Ike. The 1940s, 1950s. uh, Donald Trumbo was a, uh, or Dalton, Dalton Trumbo was a communist. And uh, he's also worked in Hollywood. And uh, he was asked to come testify, that, like declare that he wasn't a communist, and he refused to do it. And, uh, and so they, they, they blacklisted him. He was blacklisted from Hollywood for about a decade. Um, he, I think he actually got an Academy Award for, um, it was either Exodus, it was some movie, but he got the Academy Award under a pseudonym. Uh, they, he had to use a fake name in order to get credit for his work. Because um, he's blackballed because he was a commie, and at the time the communists, the Russians, were building up their nukes, and you know no one wanted to be friends with the communists, and so this guy was a traitor to America, and so they so the, the Hollywood blacklisted him. On the right there is Brendan Eich. In two thousand eight, Brendan Eich donated one thousand dollars to uh, the what? No on Prop eight? Yes on Prop eight? He basically donated a thousand dollars to say that I want to make it illegal. I want to make same sex marriage illegal in California. He did that in two thousand and eight in two thousand and fourteen. He was appointed the uh, the CEO of mozilla everyone 's favorite internet browser and uh, within within just a few um, a few days, he was forced to resign because it came out that he in two thousand and eight had donated a thousand dollars to a uh, anti LGBTQIA plus charity, and so it was determined that he couldn't effectively lead Mozilla because he was a hater. He was a bigot, Nazi. So in 1947, the culture said, "You know who's you know who the Nazis are, or the the Reds, the Soviets, whoever it is It's Dalton Trumbo." In 2014, you know who the Nazis are? It's Brendan Eich and the people who uh, don't approve of same sex marriage. What's changed? It's the people who the crowd won't let get through. The identities, you know, don't matter. The identities change over time of who gets excluded and who gets oppressed. Um, But the the dominant culture always does this. So for Zacchaeus, it was the dominant culture looks at, oh, collaborator with the Romans, you're out. 1947, collaborator with the the Soviets, you're out. 2014, collaborator with the anti-LGBTQIA plus movement, you're out. Next thing in your note sheets. The dominant culture oppresses and excludes disfavored identities. And it always has. This is how dominant cultures work. It's how they preserve themselves, right? Cultures, by their very definition, cannot maintain cohesion, cannot maintain identity if they let just anybody in. And so for the Jews of the first century, it was imperative to keep people like Zacchaeus out of the crowd. For Americans in the 1940s and 50s, it was imperative to keep communists out. And now in 2014, it's imperative for Americans who support uh, traditional marriage to be kept out. Because the dominant players in culture don't like who they are. By the way, uh, so Zacchaeus, right? He, um, he's like trying to get around the crowd, and they're like, they're like, "Get out of here! Get out of here!" So, what he goes and he climbs the sycamore tree, right? Who climbs trees? Kids, right? Young men, kids. Oh, Jack! You're not you're not in the tree climbing game anymore. You're out. He's <laughs> not in the walking business. <laughs> Hang in there, bro. Uh, yeah, I also am out of the tree climbing business. Uh, but I remember when I was a kid and I did. How fun it is! But the thing is, imagine a, you know a grown man, right, who's already hated, literally Hitler, like climbing a tree. The people are looking at him and they're 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 spitting at him. They're hating him. They're grumbling about him. So, Jesus is like, Jesus sees him, and it's difficult to know how Jesus knows who Zacchaeus is. It might be one of those moments where he just, because he's divine, he just knows Zacchaeus. It might be that he's heard rumors about Zacchaeus, because Zacchaeus is probably pretty infamous in, in, the, in Jericho. Uh, either way, he looks up to Zacchaeus, and he's like, I'm going to eat with you, buddy, Um. And Zacchaeus is like, oh, that, this is awesome. So he comes down. He's like, I can't believe it. Jesus is coming to my house. This is great. And the crowds are like, no, he's a Nazi. No, say no to Hitler. Stay out of Hitler's house. And, and then what happens? Zacchaeus stops. He's, he's leading Jesus to his house. He hears this, you're a sinner. That's the Jewish way of saying you're a Nazi. Um. And he, and he turns around and he, and he addresses the crowd. Right? He's like, "Crowd, you don't know me." No, doesn't talk to the crowd. He talks to the Lord Jesus, and not only that, but he calls Jesus Lord. Right? He says, "He says, Lord." Uh, this in Luke's gospel. Anyone who calls Jesus Lord, saved, good guy. He gets this. These people get it. Kingdom of God. They're on. They're on board. Says Lord, and then this is where all the translations in English to do such a disservice if you have an older translation in english you'll read this look lord i will will give half of my possessions to the poor if i achieve one i will repay them fourfold no this is not a future tense this is a present tense in english are in Greek, it is the most. It is. It's so crazy to treat this as a as a future. There's there's a reason why God invented future tenses and languages. It's so that you can tell what's going to happen in the future, not what's going on now. But but translators are confused by the text, and they're like they're like you must mean he's going to change, right? That's what's at issue here. This guy's a Nazi. Even the translators, even the translators of the Bible, are looking at like he's a Nazi. He's Hitler. Look at him. He's a toll collector. No. The present tense. He's like, Lord, look. I don't care what these people say. The truth is, I give half of everything I make to people who have nothing. And if I find out that I've cheated somebody or I've done wrong, I don't just pay them back. I make them as whole as I possibly can. Like the truth about Zacchaeus Lord is way more complicated than you can come up with by just singling out my ethnicity or my job or my who I report to or who I'm friends with. It, the, the, the who I am as a human being is way deeper than that. And these people just want to yell at me and call me Nazi, but I'm not. I'm not. What Zacchaeus is crying out for is he's crying out for one person to really see him. Not see the label black, white, Latino, Asian, gay, straight, bi, trans, intersex, queer, American, Russian, Mexican, Ugandan. To look cast all of the labels that we think define us and to say look at me. Let's go to the next slide. I uh, I can't call Wes a friend. I can call him an acquaintance. I've met Wesley Hill a couple of times at conferences. He's a New Testament professor, and I think Pennsylvania. Um, he's probably most famous, though, for uh, being what he calls a gay celibate Christian. Um. And and he, <laughs> he this poor guy, man, he gets it from all sides. The uh, the so what that means is that uh, Wesley Hill um, identifies he's like, yeah, I'm definitely attracted to men. There's no way around that. That's just who I am. It's not what I wanted, uh, but it is what's real. And he's very open about it. And he and he's like, but at the same time, I really believe in you know, the sex that the scripture teaches, that sex is for family formation, it's between man and a woman, and so he's committed his life to uh, celibacy, to being single, um, and trying to work out his faith uh, as a celibate gay male. So the people on the left hate him, because they're like, you're a traitor to the LGBTQIA community, because you're, you've internalized shame, you've internalized self-hate, and you're normalizing it, for um, people who are heterosexual people on the right have pilloried him for years because they're like dude just go to more therapy and we can and you'll stop being attracted to men and he's like no I've, i've done that it's not that's not the issue um i really wish i could but i can't uh it's this is this is where we're at this is reality um and they're like well then you but you certainly can't you know, have a, a a gay identity. Your identity has to be something else. So he's like, well, look, look I, I don't know what to say to you. Um, there are parts of my, you know, personality that just tend to be queer, femme. I mean, what, do, what, what am I going to say? I, I'm sorry. I mean, is that what I'm going to say? I'm sorry? Because Wes and people like him, uh, you can check out the Revoice conference, I think they do, like, once a year. Um people like him are are caught in the middle because they they live in a world where everything about you is labeled based on your this, 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 this. And so everyone wants them to, to fit into the categories they belong in, right? That's where you belong, Wes. You're either a Christian, you're straight, or you're out and proud, there's no in between. There's no. There's no way for you to n- negotiate that. These are. These are the, the categories. This is what makes us us. And Wes wants to say, I. Just, uh, that's not me. The next thing in your note sheets is this. Um, No matter whether you come from uh, the right or the left, if you essentialize people based on these traits, whatever they are, and they change over time. Sometimes it's about who's rich, who's poor. Sometimes it's about who's black, who's white. Sometimes it's about who's gay, who's straight. If that's how we essentialize people, we erase human complexity. We erase it. Um, And I mean, I can tell you uh, from personal experience that uh, the people who don't fit in the categories that... um, Progressives and conservatives value or enforce have a very, very difficult time. And a lot of times they find themselves caught in the middle of a culture where they don't want to be a part of. So how does Jesus respond? This is the most important part right here. Jesus says this. Today, salvation has come to this household. It's very important, he says household, not to this man. Uh, because remember earlier when I was talking about the, the toll collectors having networks of enforcers and whatnot? Well, it's very likely that Zacchaeus um, did have a network of people who helped him collect tolls. It, it, it's also, based on what he says, it's very likely that they were actually really decent people. And they really worked hard to do right. Um, but they still had a job to do, and so they did it, but they, they were as honest as they could be. But they had a lot of hard times with it. It was tough. It was difficult. And so in the same way that Zacchaeus was brushed off as Hitler, uh, the people of his household, his, his, his closest relations, his deepest friends, they, they were Hitler too. But salvation has come because what? Why? Is it because Zacchaeus has repented? No, it's because Zacchaeus has been revealed as also a son or child of Abraham. In the first century, to be a son or a child of Abraham was to be somebody who was, yes, ethnically connected to Abraham, but more importantly, Uh, Abraham was like the progenitor or the beginner of of the Hebrew Jewish people. He was like the the figurehead, the example uh, bar none, the the paradigm of what it was to be a man of God. And and what's happened is in public, in front of all of the haters, uh, Zacchaeus has been revealed to be part of that. A son, a child of Abraham, in keeping with who Abraham was. And Abraham, of course, was a child of God. And all of the, his children are children of God. This is a little bit weird for us to to recognize in the West, but in ancient and, and indigenous cultures, like the, the, your family your connection your, your identity is based on who you 're connected to right it 's who you 're connected to that 's whatever part of a family you 're a part of, and I have a picture here of an, an African, a contemporary African family. The, you're, you're known not just by like your job or the, it's, you're known by your parents and your connections and your relations and your cousins and your children. That's, that's where your identity is found. And, and it's no different here. The, who's, who's Zacchaeus? He's Abraham's boy. He's a child of Abraham. He's connected to the divine family. That's where he is. And now all the haters and all the Nazis and all the people who call him a Nazi know it. They see it. And they can't go back to pretending that this guy is this this imaginary caricature that they've created him to be. That's the last thing we're The Bible locates identity in our relationship to the family of God. The family of God. And this is going to be kind of a jumping off point for us because we, I think hopefully we've seen today that identity essentialism is always going to be a part of the, the culture. And, and it's, it's, it's distressing to see people reduced to um, race, sex, gender, sexual orientation. I, I find that mind-boggling, but here we are. Um, but it's not any different than what it's, what it's the way it's always been. So then the question is, how do we reformulate? How do we get out of that mentality? How do we escape this way that we're conditioned to think in terms of I'm this because I'm this, 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 and this? My attributes, right? And then refocus, recenter into the place of where our genuine identity is found, which is in the family of God. And that is going to be the task of the next several weeks. But for now, I want to implore you. Now I'll get in trouble, but that's all right. I want to implore you to please, please do not get involved in the culture wars. In terms of trying to convince somebody on Facebook that this, that, or the other thing. And I'm not saying that because they're not wrong, or because they probably are. And you're probably right. Um, I'm saying that because there's a whole lot of people who are watching that exchange who are silent, they're called lurkers, who are feeling like they have no home. They feel like if they don't choose a team, then they don't belong in the church. They think, I I don't quite fit the categories that you've set up. Can I really be a part of your family? I think the answer is yes. But I think it's really hard for us And I say this because um, as a professor and as a pastor, um, people tell me their secrets. And a lot of them, they feel isolated. They say, I'm not this because my marriage isn't perfect. I'm not this because... My, I have this desire to dress this way or do this thing. I'm not. And they become separate from our family. And the only thing that truly matters is whether or not they are our brothers and sisters by faith. The rest of it we can work out. So please... Know that in your midst are those who battle deeply with identity. And also know that Jesus says salvation has come to this household because this man too is a son of Abraham and a child of God. Let's pray. Gracious God in heaven, I ask a special blessing today on those who are in between. People whose identities don't fit comfortably uh, in the world or in what they perceive to be the church. And a special blessing today, God, on all of us who have assumed identities that really are not the identity that you have for us. God, I pray a blessing on all of us that we would recognize that who we are, who we are at the core of our being, what's what's essential about us, what's our essence, is being your children, washed in the blood of the Lamb, made right before you, and given the life that you have for now and for eternity. May Coast Bible Church be a place where it's a family of God and not the identities that the world wants to to put on us that define us. And may we be a witness to what it looks like to reject categorically the identity essentialism that's around us. And may those who are beat up by the culture of intolerance and cancellation come find a home with us.